So real estate continues to be an appealing asset class for everyone. I definitely agree with that because it is the number one way to build your wealth, whether it is your own home, which is one of the largest part of your wealth building venture, if you would say, or investing in various types of real estates. Today, we are going to cover um, capital gains tax on real estate, long-term, short-term. We are also gonna cover something that is very, very interesting to all investors out there, all people that, that think about real property, and that is the 1031 exchange. I've got this question asked to me so many times, and it is there's so many misunderstandings about a 1031 exchange that I wanna clear up today. Also, our third thing that we're gonna talk about is one of the ways, one of the, the, the ways to save on capital gains with estate planning and wealth planning, and it's called the stepped-up basis. This is Sharon, the Modern Savvy CPA, and today we are going to be talking about all things real property assets. The thing we're talking about today is capital gains tax. Now there's two different rates for capital gains. There's short-term capital gains and long-term capital gains. That depends on how long you're holding an asset for. So short-term capital gains apply to um, if you own a property for less than a year. Short-term capital gains rate is the same as the ordinary tax rate. Um, when you're gonna see a sample of your short-term capital gains rate tax table shortly. The next thing we're gonna talk about is long-term capital gains rate. Long-term capital gains is when you hold an asset for at least 12 months. Long-term capital gains rate is a lower tax rate. It can be as low as 0% if your taxable income is low enough, or it can be as high as um, 20%, depending on um, what your uh, income tax bracket is. So it just kind of depends on um, how long you've held the assets for. That's one of the things that you, you want to think about when you're holding an asset, is if, you're, if you want to be able to hold the asset for the longer period, if you can hold it for more than a year, it's best to hold it for more than a year and get the preferential tax rate. So real estate falls under capital gains, um, short-term or long-term. Also, stocks and bonds fall under capital gains. That's short-term or long-term. It's the same time period. You want to think about that. Now, there are real estate is an example of real estate would be land, so if you own an empty land and um, you've, you've held it for investment and you're, you've keep it, keep it for a while, if you have it for less than a year and you try to sell it, then you're going to be thinking about ordinary, ordinary income tax rate um, to be taxed on that, that short-term capital gains. If you are uh, hold it for more than a year, then you're definitely going to be thinking about um, long-term capital gains, which can be as much as 20%, depending on your tax bracket. Again, please look at the tables to understand your tax brackets that's on here. So these are the things that you, you need to think about when you're thinking about real estate, especially. So what else can be real, what else can be real estate each taxed at long-term or short-term? One is land, yes, a loan. 
Um, land does not depreciate, so it's very simple to, cal- to, to calculate the capital gains on land. It would be whatever you, you've sold it for. So let's just say you, you've sold the land for half a million dollars and you bought it for 300,000 um, and you've held it for investment. If you've done some improvement on the land, then that would be a cost. So usually your, your capital gains is your selling price, less whatever you paid for it, less any expenses from what you, when you bought it, less the selling cost. So just, you know, if you paid real estate um, commissions and stamp tax or transfer tax or anything like that, you have to take that off and then you will end up with your capital gains. And that is where the rate will be implementing depending on if it's short-term or long-term. Now we have other types of real estate. We have um, people invest investing in rental real estate. Rental real estate is also taxed similarly to land. There's capital gains, short-term or long-term, the same thing. If you've held it over a year, it's long-term capital gains. Um, one thing that is on rental real estate, and if it's residential rental real estate, then there is depreciation to consider. If you have taken advantage of your rental real estate and have been um, reporting it on your tax return, which you should be reporting it, it's the depreciation is allowed or allowable. So whatever the depreciation calculation is that you have taken as expense over the years, you will have to recapture that, and that is taxed at your um, uh, ordinary income tax rate, uh, section 125. So that just kind of depends on where that is. So for the most part, your gain on the property will be uh, capital gains, tax at capital gains, short term or long term with rental real estate. Rental real estate is depreciated by 27 and a half years, plus any improvements, depending on the improvement, you can cost segregate the um, improvements and are depreciated at a shorter time, which is preferential also. So you definitely need to, you definitely want to talk to your tax advisor or your trusted advisor, your financial advisor about um, when you own real estate, because now your tax becomes complicated. It is not something that I recommend you do yourself because there's always little things that you can do wrong that can cost you a lot of money. I see this all the time. You know, a person owns a simple rental property and they think that they can do their tax return on their own and they mess up the depreciation part. And trust me, you will lose out during the years if you mess up the depreciation part and you will lose out in the end when you sell the property if you mess up that part. So you don't want to be trying to do that yourself if you are not knowledgeable about that. You need to seek a uh, proper advisor, um, a CPA, an EA um, to be dealing with that um, in your taxes if that's what you're looking at. So that's rental real estate. Now there's also commercial real estate um, that that you can deal with. Commercial real estate is depreciated um, on a 39 year level and it is the same things that that falls under, long-term and short-term capital gains rates. So if you own a business and you do own commercial real estate within that business, you most definitely want to 
CACPA on that because that does not just involve taxes, it involves all sorts of financial um, consequences and financial planning that can save you a lot of money and, and help you in terms of your wealth building assets. When should you sell? When should you not sell? You know, what are you renting it for? There are so many questions that are involved in that. So, um, so that's, that's capital gains. Please look at the tables that I've provided at the end here to understand short-term capital gains and the brackets and the rates and long-term capital gains, the brackets and the rates. So you can have an overview. Of course, having an overview is understanding. It's just like you having an overview of your, your physical health. You understand your body, you know what to put in it, you know what, but you still need to talk to your doctor. You still need to make an appointment and sometimes you need medicine. So it kind of depends. It's the same thing when it comes to financial health and um, you need that trusted advisor to give you the advice, tell you what you need in terms of where you're at. You have ideas, overall idea. You should always have an overall idea about your business and your finances. That is what I'm trying to teach you here. But you, you still need to make sure that you are seeking trusted advisor information, trusted advisor knowledge, trusted advisor experienced trusted advisor information. There's a lot of noise out there on the internet, on social media and everything, on everyone trying to give you financial advice, trying to teach you financial literacy. You need to vet them. You should not take advice from people who are just coming out of school and just trying to give you advice or people who have experienced one thing in their life and they, they're trying to tell you advice. You wanna make sure you have someone that has the education to back them up. And you want to make sure that you have someone that has the experience, that have seen different people, different clients, different situations, so they can tell you what the pros and cons of certain things are. So today we're also going to talk about Section 12, Section 1031 exchanges. Now this is a question I get all the time from my real estate investor. Can I do a Section 12? 1031 exchange. So first I'll explain to you guys what a section 1031 exchange is. A 1031 exchange allows an investor to reinvest the money into a like-kind asset without owing tax on the gain at that point. Does not mean it is a tax-free event. It is a deferred tax event. So it is important for you to understand that a 1031 exchange does not help you to get away from paying your taxes. It just defers your taxes. Whether you should be doing this or not is always questionable. You should always talk to your CPA about this part because sometimes it makes sense to do this and sometimes it doesn't. So you definitely need to do a projection on whether this makes sense. Also, there are very, very strict rules on section um, 1031. IRS plays no joke with this one. So the process involves a third party intermediary that receives the proceeds from the sale of, of and handles the purchase of the replacement property. So 
A section 1031 exchange is the sale of one property and and the the buying of a like-kind property to replace the sale of the first property. It has to be like-kind, and there are rules behind what like-kind is, which is not something that this short video can give you. I can give you that information right now, but there are rules about what like-kind is. You need to understand what like-kind is. An investor is, is uh, a property is considered an investment property. So you always have to think this is a, this is a business deal. It's an investment property that you're exchanging. What kind of investment property and what it, what is the definition of like-kind, you also need to understand. These transactions have very strict deadline. They require that you identify your replacement property within 45 days and complete the acquisition within 180 days. And they are very, very strict on these rules. Because if you, if, you, if you don't follow these rules, you can pierce the veil on the 1031 exchange and it can become invalid. So it's definitely really important for you to understand what the rules are, understand what like-kind property is, and whether you should be exchanging these properties through a 10, 1031 or not. Also, if these deadlines aren't met, the full amount can be considered taxable. When these proceeds are left unreinvested, this is known as boot. Boot means cash. Boot amount is taxable, while the rest of the gains can be deferred until the replacement property is sold. So it just, it, it is a complicated thing. I know a lot of noise is made out there about section 12, 1031 exchanges, but you really need to Speak to your CPA, speak to an intermediary, understand what it really is. Not even all CPAs are understand Section 12, 1031. They need to probably refer you to an intermediary to understand what um, a Section um, 1031 exchanges and if you do qualify to do that. I know it is appealing to a lot of investors and they want to, you know, they want to push it in, push it on you a lot of times, but you have to understand if you qualify first, what the qualifications are, what the parameters are within being qualified for it. So, you know, you need to think about it. Is, is, is the sale in a future year of your taxable income lower? So you need to think about it. Are, am I paying a low tax rate right now? Or am I going to be paying low tax rate later? Because you are deferring the tax on the property. You're deferring it from one property to another. So you need to decide, first of all, how much is your capital gains that you're going to be deferring? what the t capital gains tax on that property is that you're going to be deferring. So how much tax are you deferring at that point? And is it worth doing? So, you know, the taxable income in the multiple pieces, which, which may allow you, the seller, to pay a lower tax rate and, avo and avoid them altogether, depending on your taxable income that year. So the so it depends on a lot of things, and you have to weigh all your pros and cons before you decide on a 1031 exchange. You also have to rem remember that there is a cost for an intermediary to handle your, your, your exchange. So there is a cost. You need to make sure that you understand what the cost is. So what 
assets would I kind of recommend blanketly for a section um, 1031 exchange? Let's say you've owned a property for over 30 years and you are going to be making $5 million on it and it's all long-term capital gains and, and I'm making that up. Um, so 20% of the $5 million will be what, basically what your, your, your tax is. Then in that type of a situation, it might be worth it to pay an intermediary a few thousand dollars to do this and defer your tax to the next property if it all makes sense to do that. Let's say there's a different scenario and you have a piece of land that you've owned um, for, I don't know, maybe let's say you own it for five years and you bought it for $200,000 and now you're ready to sell the land and you're going to sell it for three hundred. So you're going to make $100,000 on this, on this property. Uh, so your, your tax is going to be $20,000. Now, it, what does the intermediary charge, charge you? So you need to understand it. What is the cost of the intermediary? Did you, are you going to be able to follow the strict deadlines in the numbers, um, in the timeline, the strict timeline deadlines for the exchange and all those things. Cause your tax is $20,000. Do you want to just defer $20,000? Cause you're going to be paying for the intermediary. You're going to have to follow the strict deadlines. Is it worth it to defer the $20,000? Cause you, do you know for sure that your tax rate is going to be lower next for $20,000? Those are all the things that you need to be thinking about. You need to be asking yourself. You need to contact the intermediary and you need to talk to your CPA, your trusted advisor. Definitely talk to them about doing a, a 1031 if you are interested in doing a 1031. So stop listening to the noise about 1031 and really understand it before you're thinking about it. So that's my story on 1031s, there's a lot more that we can talk about it, but for today, that is it in a nutshell. So next, we're going to talk about um, stepped-up basis. So this is something that not a lot of people are aware of. So what happens with stepped-up basis? So we have something in America um, called estate planning. We have something everywhere called estate planning. So if you have a property, when you have a property and you leave it for your beneficiary, there is something called a um, stepped up basis. So whether that's real property, it's investment property, it's stocks and bonds, any type of property with gains on it. There is something, if you do not give it to them right away, you know, as a gift, there and it passes to them at death, then there is something called stepped up basis, basis of an asset. This means that they can sell it at any time after you passed away and their cost basis is the fair market value of the asset at the time of your death. So let's just say, let's give you an example. Instead of what you paid for it, let's give you an example. An example is, um, let's say you have, um, um, I'm going to say a rental property and you bought that rental property for $150,000. And with today's market, that rental property could be worth half a million dollars. So it's there, it's half a million dollars. Now you pass away and you leave that to your children. When 
your the advice for for me is to always have your property appraised at the death of um the owner of the rent of the property so always have it appraised at that time so you know what the value is at that time because that value is is pertinent information as to what your cost basis you as the beneficiary your cost basis is on the property so you need to understand that that number is really important you have to have proof so just in case the irs asks you why is that your basis yes i had an appraisal done or i did this or i did that this is what the cost of the property is now so so instead of you let's just say the cost is half a million dollars but your your people decide that they're not going to sell it right away the beneficiaries are not going to sell it right away so they decide they're going to hold it for a year and what up another hundred thousand dollars now they sell it for $600,000. Let's say there's no, let's make it, there's no selling expenses. Make this easy. So now their gain on the property is, is not the m- amount you paid for it minus le- less, the, the, the cost of the sale price less the, the, the amount you paid for it. It is the sale price less what the value was at your death, at the time of your death. So that is a huge, so they're gonna save capital gains tax on that, that piece of land for that $300,000 in, in between, or the 350. If you bought it for 150, it was worth half a million when you, so, when you, when you, when you passed away, and uh, now they're selling it for 600,000. They're only gonna pay capital gains rate on that $100,000, because that is the appreciation between your death and the time that they sold it. This is a really, really, really great way to save taxes. So you you definitely you want to avoid capital gains tax on the sale of any type of property, whether it is land, it is investment, real estate, or it is stocks and bonds, any type of asset that has appreciated and then pass to your to your um, beneficiaries. This you're gonna save a whole bunch of taxes in between because the cost basis is now stepped up to the time of your death, and that will that definitely works in your favor. Now there's other things to consider, um, which not a lot, which because our uh, estate tax. Um, levels have changed into the five and six million dollar range if you are if your if your entire assets is is over that amount then you would need to consider um you know estate tax at that point but if it's anything below that you will not have to consider estate tax because you will still get the stepped up basis with the property. So this is a great way to think about whether you would want to sell your property before you die and take the gain then and pay the taxes then, your investment property, your land, your stocks and bonds, whatever it is, or you would want to pass it to your ears and have them sell it after you die so they get the stepped up basis and they save all the taxes. So that is my last thing that I'm going to discuss with you guys today. This is the Modern Savvy CP. And I just want to make sure I let you know, make sure that you are vetting the information that you are getting on social media and that you're getting in um, 
on the internet or you're getting it anywhere. Just do not listen to anybody who's talking. If they're the loudest or they're, you see their face the most, that does not mean they know what they're saying or they're qualified to be teaching you what they're saying. So until next time, this is Sharon from the Modern Savvy CPA. Thank you.